welcome to another episode of the mini games podcast we are at episode 21 uh, if you missed out last episode we did was our big uh last of us 2 spoiler cast episode uh listen to that if you haven't and also only listen to that if you've beaten uh last of us 2 because we we get into it uh as always i'm your host mike and also as always your other host diet host secondary host co-host keith so my longest win streak on minesweeper is three don't ask me about my longest losing streak so you the most you've ever won is three games in a row yeah don't ask me about my longest losing oh yeah streak. I'm, I'm honestly i'm honestly disappointed in you look dude play this game on advanced I dare you. Just one week. Here, that'll be the challenge of this pod for the week. Play one week's worth of Minesweeper and see how many you win in a row on Advanced. I'm not going to play Minesweeper, Keith. Thought so. All right, dude. Welcome. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're back uh, after a week. Uh, or for if you didn't listen to the Last of Us episode because you haven't beaten it yet, uh, two weeks. No special guests this time around. Uh, once again, thank you to Dan for coming in clutch and helping us out with that Last of, Last of Us 2 episode. Uh, we're going to kick this thing off the usual way. We do have a pretty cool episode for you today since it's a little bit on the uh, slower side in terms of like gaming shit going on. As of this recording, uh, Ghost of Tsushima comes out in 30 minutes and I'm not going to be able to play it for a little while because I haven't bought it yet. Uh, also tonight that new Paper Mario game comes out that I completely forgot about until a little while ago. So yeah, just just waiting on those to come out really, and then we'll be able to talk more games. But as of right now, Keith, what have you been playing? I've been playing. Well, actually, we started. So the roommate was good for two weeks, so he got uh, Mario Party. You know, the Switch one, and we've been having a lot of fun with it. Mostly because it's finally a game that all three of us can play together. Yeah, I love, a, I love a good Mario Party. Obviously, the occasional Minesweeper. I'm on a 75-game losing streak. I'll say that. Don't ask about the record, but I will say that's the current streak. So it's like you're the and Undertaker, but opposite. Pokemon Platinum. Went back to that one. I... Yeah, essentially. Oh, and I, I beat uh, Isle of Armor. Oh, well, look at you. Yeah, it turns out I was not far at all. So, yeah, there's that. So you've just been grinding on the Pokemon then lately. Yeah, I mean, I just recently... I kind of took a little bit of a break. Um, obviously, I kind of have a little bit less time playing than I used to. So when I kind of dedicated to grinding out Last of Us, it kind of wore me out just a little bit. So I kind of took it easy for a little bit until figure out what we're going to do with Ghost of uh, Tsushima and go from there. Um, so it's been a little light, but not completely dead. Yeah, I feel that. I've, uh, since I've had to wake up, like, early the past couple weeks, I've actually had, like, more time to play video games. Right. Because I just, like, have that kind of time now. Uh, I got back into No Man's Sky. On sale right now. Yeah. So, well, I had owned it on right. Steam for a while, so I didn't take advantage of the sale, obviously. But straight up, it's a fun game. I think with all the improvements that they made, like, it's, it actually feels like a fucking game now. Yeah, from what I understand, it's basically now it's the game that they intended to launch, basically. Yeah, basically. Uh, the last of 
the last one. Uh, no Man's Sky now is definitely what No Man's Sky should have been when they initially launched it. Uh, definitely took them a long time to get to this point. Actually, I think today they just released an update that adds like haunted freighters shit like the middle of space which sounds pretty fucking cool and also fucking scary and i'm excited to see that shit it's cool that they didn't give up on the game um and that it seems like i guess the whole community as a whole came around on them too for that oh for sure i think they handled they've, they've handled things the right way in terms of like how to rebuild your game after uh i would describe the launch as well, like not catastrophic yeah this the most bare game it, it suffered from like the fable syndrome i think where the developer i forget his name but the guy from hello games was just like saying all this shit that you were going to be able to do in no man's sky and then as it came out he like the interviews with him started getting more and more like questionable with how he like answered the questions and then the game was finally out and you were like oh you just don't do anything in this game huh yeah just kind of trekking along um, it's like, oh, it really is just space, huh? All right. Yeah, space the game. Um, now, from what I understand now, it, it's vibrant. There's a lot to do, a lot to uncover. Um, do they have multiplayer now? Because I know that's what everyone wanted. Yeah, they do have, like, legit actual multiplayer now where you can, like, where it's more where you can actually interact with other people. Not like There's the Dark Souls base. multiplayer that like, they kind of had? Yeah. Well, this was, like, even worse because well, it was even worse because you couldn't even see the other players, even if they were in the exact same spot as you. Right. It went from you were you weren't able to see them at all to like I think they showed up as like a glowing like orb on the on your screen or whatever, which was like ah, more pointless. Famous. Yeah, and then they finally just made it into like oh, you can just play with other people now. Uh, they also added base building, which I think is sick. That's cool. They like it, they integrate the base building into the tutorial also, which I think is really cool. So now it's I just part of the game. Not even yes, an add-on. Exactly. It's just the game. Yeah, I have uh, I have myself a little uh, a little house on a planet. I built it in an awful spot because there's these gigantic fucking quadruped animals that are constantly trying to kill me. So I have to like shoot them all the time. <laughs> uh, they also added like like I said because there's like haunted freighters, but they also have you also have the ability to like build your own freighter, which I think is sick. You just have like this like massive fucking space vehicle in, in space, which I think is fucking cool. They I should probably get a fucking on lot, that. dude. Yo, straight up, you should. It's a it's a really I wouldn't say it's like a a great, like a great, great game, but I'm definitely having a lot more fun with it. Cause when it originally came out, I got it on PS4 right. and I put in like a stupid amount of fucking time into that game, even though it was so bare bones. So now that there's so much shit to actually do in it, I'm like like I fired it up. I had bought it for a while, like a while back, and just never paid it any mind. But then, because you know, sometimes things go on sale on Steam, you just buy yeah. it because it's fucking cheap. So like, I bought it like a while back, just because it was on sale. And I was like, I'll get to this eventually. And it turns out eventually it was like a couple days ago. And I straight up put in six hours without even trying. Oh shit! I mean, that's one that kind of enjoyed, you know, Raft and I'd say Subnautica is probably a little bit more closer to that aspect of it. As far yeah. as like building your home front and exploring things like that, I'd probably really like it. See, I like games like that too, because it's like you were saying. After playing something like The Last of Us, I definitely needed something to just like fucking Mellow. just sit. Yeah, just sit and chill. And No Man's Sky is that. Like, I was able to play that game and then put up like a video, like I just put like like a YouTube playlist on my second monitor and just like watch videos while I go around like mining shit. It's it's a really good just like sit down fucking relax and play the game 
That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, sounds sounds like a lot of yeah. just relaxed a good time. Yeah, in an effort to uh, not neglect my consoles as much. Like I'm still obviously been playing like World of Warcraft and stuff like that, but I mm-hmm. also started a new playthrough in Fire Emblem Three Houses because I I real I looked up how to get to the uh, the fourth like hidden. There's a hidden storyline, so I was like, oh, I should probably do that. Yeah, and so that's what I'm that's what I'm doing right now is like the hidden storyline. All right, well, let us know how that goes. It's it's going. I think I'm like most mostly done through the game at this point. Uh, so full disclosure, I recently got a new job. It's completely work from home, and in like the interim, I'm just straight up playing Fire Emblem while I'm supposed to be working. So there's that. Not bad. But yeah, I, that's that's basically it. Uh, mostly a lot of Fire Emblem. Uh, probably gonna dip more into No Man's Sky once I once I have. And then, like, time and hopefully, Ghost of Tsushima soon. Yeah, hopefully, Ghost of Tsushima. Honestly, I'm just waiting like to get paid, and then I'll get it. Yeah, <laughs> um, I might hold off on Paper Mario for a while because I'm hearing very mixed things about it so far. Like, I'm hearing that it's just like it's not really doing much for people, and I'm just like, damn, that sucks. <laughs> they, they just can't make those Paper Mario games anymore. I guess. Yeah, no, I, I've been, I was hardly hyped on it to begin with because I was never really on the Paper Mario train. And then hearing that from the people that were hyped from it, um, yeah, I think I'm all right with this one. That's probably one that I'll probably, like, if it goes on sale at any point, I'll probably be like, okay, yeah, I'll pick it up. Yeah, it'll be a couple of years, but it, eventually it will. Tsushima, though, I do hear very good things about. I am hearing yeah. like, that it's not like... Like it suffers from like the Ubisoft thing, where it's just like there's so much shit to fucking do in the in that game. Right, the collectathons. Yeah, and part of me is just like, damn, that's kind of not what I want out of that game. But I still very much want to play it. I'm excited because I feel like it's a period piece that's not an Assassin's Creed game, and I am on board with that. Um, yeah, I do hear the. I'm I do hear the, got the feudal the, Japan before they did. Yeah, and I do hear that the the actual samurai like sword play in that game is very good. So as long as they get that yeah. right, then cool. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully in the near future we'll be able to pull that one off, uh, especially for the pod's sake. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Give, give our pod a five star rating so we can get the sponsors to get the games to talk to you about them. Yeah, thank you for everyone that's listening so far. We've officially made our first collective dollar uh, yeah. off this podcast, so we are we are rolling it in. Uh, if we could just do that sixty more times, we can get one of us Ghost of Tsushima. One of us, just one. Uh, but yeah, I think for the pod, yeah, I, everything for the pod. But yeah, other than that, like I haven't, uh, I haven't been playing anything else. Honestly, there's like not much in terms of games that i'm like looking forward to anyway i mean we don't know a whole lot yet we'll kind of get into that a little bit but we don't know a whole lot of what's coming out soon sure uh so as usual we uh we peruse the internet to find things on sale um, also, as usual, most of these sales are going to be on PC because for whatever reason, things on console just like never go on sale. I mean, a lot of times if it's on sale one uh, console, it'll be on sale on the other. So if you see like, uh, like I'll, I'll just jump right into the first one, Bioshock Collection uh, on Steam, it's $14.99. That's probably the best sale you'll find out of all of them um, because you spent a ton on your computer already. 
but there's, there's a good chance it'll end up being on sale on at least one of the consoles somewhere so check it wherever your preferred platform is check it anyway even if we don't mention it specifically because you never know but yeah bioshock collection uh it's on sale for a while so this one for once we have a little bit of breathing time on sale till Hooray. july 29th 14.99 for three great games uh well two great games and then bioshock 2 i was gonna say two amazing one that's very good well i would honestly okay here's my hot take right, one incredible game in the first bioshock one not that great game in bioshock 2 and one game that's very good, but man, the ending of that game fucking sucks in Bioshock Infinite. I will say the ending, yeah, the ending's rough. I mean, I hated that it opened up so many things to go literally anywhere, like it lived up to the name Infinite, and then the DLCs are just Rapture. Yeah, okay, so we're past statute of limitations on like something like Far Bioshock beyond. Infinite. Yo, straight up, I've, I'm like, time travel bullshit is like, I'm, I don't like it, and they did it not great. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was engaging up until that point, and I guess it's fine, as I guess would all say, but I love Infinite as a whole, though. Yeah, I'm just I'm just one of those motherfuckers, like, that was nostalgic for the first Bioshock, even though I do think that putting Rapture DLC for Infinite was the cheapest shit they could have possibly done. Oh, yeah. I was like, come on. We had two games in Rapture already. I don't need DLC that goes back. Do you think there's room for more Bioshock? Because I do. Yeah, I do, but I don't know if I trust. <laughs> I don't know if I trust them to make a new Bioshock. I mean, I guess you could do anything with that at this point, so you can kind of just do a clean slate. I mean, yeah, I feel like at this point, we're reaching the point on Bioshock where I think they're more likely to do like a remaster. I think I already did. I think that's what the collection is, all remastered. Oh, is it really, too? Damn, I thought it was just, like, the games. No, I think they're pretty much revitalized, retextured, remastered. Damn. Oh, okay, there goes that. Well, yeah, maybe 2K makes a new Bioshock. I, I, I see the fan base I, I there for it. I mean, yeah, I guess. I th I think, honestly, I think uh, Infinite might have soured a lot of people by the end, so who knows? I don't know. I'll put it to this way. Uh, this is one thing that one of my friends uh, told me, saying that when you go to the bar with friends, always buy the first round because you can go so far saying, hey, I got the first round. And I feel like that is what Bioshock can do for a while. I feel like I don't understand that reference, but I'll, I'll go with it. Someone, someone somewhere a, will understand it. I was like, is this a drinking thing? I don't... Essentially, yes. Okay, that explains why I straight up don't get it. But other than Bioshock, uh, we're going to talk about more Far Cry stuff in the news, but there was an announcement for Far Cry, and as a result, uh, Ubisoft straight up just put, like, all Everything. the Far Cry games on sale. Yeah. Uh, that and all the Watch Dogs games too. Like straight up, these games are so goddamn cheap. Yeah, the whole Far Cry bundle, which has pretty much one through four, um, eighty-two percent off all four of them for twenty dollars and eighty-seven cents. And if you really wanted to, say you're only missing one that you never got to or anything like that, I think want to say like they're like six, one or two. Like I think. Uh, some of them are like two ninety-nine. 
It's ridiculous. And like Far Cry Five, the fucking most recent one is nine dollars. Yeah, and the new Dawn nine nine ninety nine. Um, so if you've ever wanted to look at Far Cry Five, which is a fun game, this is a good time if you haven't done it already. Yeah, I ha- I straight up have not played Far Cry Five really? at all, but this is like incentive to be like, okay, it's nine dollars. Right. Like, if if you don't end up getting Ghost of Tsushima for a while, Far Cry Five would keep you busy for a bit. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, it's also worth noting though that this sale is only uh, until Monday. Right. So hopefully you're listening to this on the weekend. Yeah, shout out to, to the day one on listener. Please don't undermine our audience like that. There's at least two plural that shit. No, there's only one day one. Let's be real. No. <laughs> um, there's like a bunch of other sales happening, but these are like the big ones. I know like Watch Dogs is also, I think those are about eight, nine bucks a piece for the first and the second one. I think you can get, I think I saw that you get like the collector's edition for Watch Dogs 2 for it was probably like under 20 bucks. Right, and that's not to mention, I mean, Far Cry, it does have all the DLCs that are on sale too for really cheap as well. So if you want to get more out of it, say you've already played Far Cry 5, but want to get a little bit more out of it before 6 because you're that hyped on it. Um, yeah, again, now's a good time to do it. Like straight up, I think you can probably get every single piece of Far Cry content for the price of like just a regular ass. Yeah, price for game. like a $60, probably even less value. Yeah, you're right. Which is straight up insane. Yeah, that's a lot. So good good bundle, good sale. Um, there's probably a game or two in there that's fun that you haven't played. So yeah, there you go. And that's it for sale. So we're going to very quickly breeze through the news here before we get into the meat of our episode. Let's get to the news. I'm excited to hear your opinion on this one, Keith, since you've always been like the local Xbox guy to me at a time where everyone else seems where everyone else seems to be like the PS loyalist, you are the Xbox man. Right. Uh, Microsoft is officially stopping production of the Xbox one. It just makes sense to me. They lost this generation. Move on. Yeah, and I, I like, it's crazy how they're doing like both versions of it too, like regular version and then the, the discless digital version too. Like they're straight up just full stop, no more Xbox one. Yeah, from what I understand, they're they're still continuing on with with um with like the, the, the basically they're supplementing it with I guess a Series S, which is probably going to be like the less powerful Series X. Um, now that's the main focus, I guess you could say. What I don't get is why they're stopping production on this, but then coming out and saying that exclusives are going to be a few years out for the next generation. Um, I guess it's a hint that they're so they're focusing so hard on that smart delivery, to where it's saying, yeah, you can get the old one and get the free upgrade. That's the only logical thing I could think of where they're stopping so hard. But I mean, it makes sense to me, also. Yeah, it makes sense, but that messaging is honestly just like I don't know why. Like I can't like wrap my head around that messaging. Just like yeah, we basically don't have any games, but. Uh, enjoy these ones that you already have that you can just play on the new thing. Yeah, I think in they're 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 putting all their eggs in this new gen basket, and I think it's going to be a really interesting time to see from Microsoft on the console level to see if they continue forward with it. Because um, if this generation flops and they lose two in a row so bad, I don't see 
how they could continue. Sure, it might have some moderate success, but you're not really look, going into business for that. You're going to business to thrive, you know? Yeah, and like Nintendo and Sony have just been straight up killing it. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's room for more, but they're not doing it though. <laughs> they're not filling that void. Yeah, for sure. And like the running joke is like, and I hate that it's become what the running joke is like Xbox has no fucking games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fun. It's funny because you know how Nintendo and Xbox kind of partnered together over their marketing a little bit. Yeah. But Nintendo's whole thing for a while was the Switch has games. Yeah, and it's like even like at the start of this generation, like when Sony was just straight up clowning on Microsoft and just like, oh, look how easy it is for you to trade games with people. Yeah, you just hand it over. Dude, straight up, that's that's probably the sickest burn I've ever, like, that cut deep, dude. I was just like, oh, dude, Sony's not playing. Right, and the whole DRM thing and all that, like, it just made no sense. I mean, sure. You don't really move your console too much, but for those that do, they're they're gonna they're gonna go for the other competition that doesn't require that. Oh yeah, for sure. And so, just full disclosure, also like the whole point of this episode is we're talking since we're near the end of a console generation, right. the start of the new one. We're gonna be talking about like some of our favorite games for each generation, and we were putting a list together. And when it came time to do like uh, the Xbox One. It was like so difficult for us to find games that were released there, like not released on PC that didn't see more success on PC and aren't more associated with being played on PC. Yeah, and it's just because they they took their tails in. I think too early. They could have had, probably had a good little swan song, but by that point, it might have been already too far gone. And we'll see what they do next. Um, we have an event. I think it's next week actually, where they kind of actually kind of. I guess taking away the curtains and everything and showing what their next console really is. They have to. I think there's too many questions about it at this point. We have we have to see it. Right. I mean there's no doubt it the, okay. As as a console, there's no doubt it's gonna be impressive. Is it gonna be worth it? Is a different thing. I think we talked about it before. Like straight up, I don't care if you have the most powerful console on the market if you don't have any games to support it exactly what the the fuck does it matter exactly is it going to be worth it and then one thing we saw with the ps5 come right out the gates with with freaking spider-man you know it's it's worth it so we'll see what they can do i mean i don't think halo infinite is all of it so i mean i think they're definitely riding hard on that halo infinite train though i think so too um almost too hard yeah, I mean, the whole thing is, I mean, PlayStation's able to be kind of been revitalized with, I mean, God of War is an old franchise, but they didn't rely on God of War. They brought a whole new one out alongside um, freaking, what's it called, uh, Horizon and things like that. Like, was- I mean, and they're, st- they're still doing that, even as, like, it's nearing the end of the console's life cycle. Like, PS4 is coming out likely like what end of the year more than likely yeah and they're still just like fuck it here's a new ip here's ghost of tsushima they didn't have to do that they straight up did not right exactly it could have been like last of us has a swan song which was like like we mentioned before the first last of us was kind of the ps3 swan song and that could have been it and then keep ghost of tsushima on the next console no they're bringing one out as a new 
is towards the end of his lifespan that you know we know how the game ends could lead into the ps5 and but, hey remember this thing from like eight years ago because this console generation is gonna last forever yeah here's the next one you've been waiting for that you didn't even know you wanted again yeah in the meantime microsoft's over here like you guys remember halo yeah it's coming out we promise yeah so i mean we'll see yeah maybe fable might be a decent announcement if the game looks good dude straight up i think fable um, would be enough for me to buy an xbox <laughs> <laughs> I, I love fable um we'll get there since we're talking about our previous favorites of generations we'll get there i got a lot of fable praise but i don't think it's gonna be enough for everyone you know it's not gonna be like the spider-man basically oh for sure fable it definitely appeals to like yeah it, it it appeals to a certain to a certain audience for sure yeah but i feel like with enough people that have been all the people that have been clamoring for a new fable game i think would love to see one get announced yeah i would i would we'll get there I we'll get there as we get, get through our I, our discussion I thought you just meant like in general, like with Xbox. I was like, man, I hope they fucking get there. Oh, like, I hope Jesus. they get there too. Yeah, <laughs> both. We'll go with both. So yeah, okay. Uh, stopping production. It makes sense, but it's all in a bubble. It makes sense. Like yeah, okay. You lost this generation. You really want to focus on the next one. You want to get a leg up and maybe get more units out um, because you're that confident in it. Okay, sure, got it. But then to come out and say. Yeah, the real exclusives are going to be for a while. We don't want to force anyone into the next gen. No, yeah, you do. It's like, that's exactly what you wanted to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. So I'm also a little worried there. We'll see, I guess we'll see how next week's episode goes, because by that point, I think it's the 20... When is that? Thing. I think it's the 21st, 22nd, 23rd, one of those days. On A-Day, they'll have done their presentation. So yeah, forces in the next gen, Microsoft. Good God fuck dude i didn't even know that that was like their messaging behind it so i was like wait are you telling people you actively don't want them to buy your new console then like what uh what yeah it's confusing i'm trying to see if i can find the exact quote um but it was essentially like just that saying like we don't want to force anyone into the next gen uh let me see if i can find it real fast in the next okay yeah first party xbox series x exclusives won't be released for a couple years you won't be forced into the next generation says xbox boss which boss i haven't looked into it further but that's the headline master chief i want to say it was probably phil spencer it was master chief yeah yeah first party series x exclusives won't be released for a number of years you won't be forced into the next generation he said we want every xbox player to play all new games from xbox game studios that's why xbox game studios titles we release in the next couple of years like halo infinite will be available to play great on the series x and xbox one we won't force you to upgrade to xbox series x to play at at launch to play xbox exclusives i mean i guess reading it the, the verbiage isn't too different because if you think about it most exclusive most titles at launch kind of share between the two generations but it's rude to yeah. come out right and just say that yeah it's it's such weird messaging i don't I don't know, man. And there it is again. They're just like, Halo. Huh? Right, he's saying that again. Huh? I mean, it just... Like, think of it this way. Breath of the Wild, we were, we were talking about this while not recording, but released on the Wii U and the Switch, it came out for both. I mean, that's a given. Yeah, that happens. But they're not outright saying that. <laughs> they want you to buy the new one. Yeah, the, the, the wording should be like, yes, 
just Breath of the Wild, for example. Yes, Breath of the Wild coming out on Switch and also on the Wii U. Right. Unless he, like, unless he wanted to spin it and say, we don't want to break your budget, so feel, you, you can happen to do our smart delivery and promote that. Yeah, that makes more sense. It's it's weird verbiage. It's really, it's really weird. I get, I get the, the intent behind it. Sure. I yeah. I get the sentiment, but I, I don't think it comes off as eloquent or as like how they wanted it to. If he would have done it as a way to plug the smart delivery, then it probably would have been genius. But he was genius. <laughs> so close, but he hit the mark. But he missed the mark. Man. Like think, Microsoft man. Yeah. Like think of it this way. How do you say like, hey, um don't worry if you can't get this series x right away we want you to but you can still afford to play this game and not have to buy it again when the time comes for an upgrade to next generation it would have been See, like that sounds so much better yeah and probably would have gotten a long way because i mean it's it's consumer friendly other than being like yeah we don't have any games for two years uh we don't want to make anyone buy this new console so just keep playing your old one i guess right yeah um it's like then why why put out a console of now like why? yeah like I, I think the smart delivery is a good idea because there are going to be those people that can't get a new generation right away especially if the cost is kind of what we're thinking it is oh um, yeah for sure but they also don't want to wait to play the new game so it, it i think the smart delivery is a good step for microsoft and xbox to do why not plug it in this sense <laughs> yeah i don't know hopefully hopefully that uh that event like cleared shit up right uh, we'll see. Um, anyway, logical but questionable. Xbox. Yeah. Next. Uh, moving on. <laughs> yeah, moving on from that. Uh, that's a quick it's little a lot one. Of time on that. <laughs> yeah, it turns out we always have a lot to say when it comes to Microsoft dropping the ball. Uh, but uh, Destiny had an expansion that was supposed to come out in September. They pushed it back to November. Obviously, this is due to COVID concerns since everyone's working from home, so it's taking longer to get shit done. Honestly, I I just kind of expect everything to get delayed at this point. Right. Where like it does it it doesn't affect. Like every time I see oh a game is delayed, I'm like okay. If anything, that's fine. It, it's become the new normal for for yeah. sad reasons, but it kind of has. Um, I'm not a Destiny guy. I haven't been for a while, so that doesn't really affect me too much but i do know there's a lot of people still writing on the game yeah i have the same kind of relationship with destiny that i do in world of warcraft like i play it really fucking hard for like a little while then i'm like i'm tired of this shit don't play it for an extended period of time and then even now like it's happening to me right now every time someone messages destiny like mentions destiny excuse me i'm like oh maybe i should reinstall that yeah and then i play it again for like another like like hard for like a month then i'm like okay yeah, i don't want to play this shit anymore right so i mean november that's a lot of time you're pretty much pushing next gen i think at that point yeah but i think a lot of like the destiny player base has gravitated more towards pc than anything so i don't know if that really yeah that's true too much that is true um console players probably won't lose sleep yeah probably not uh here's a fun little uh <laughs> a fun little news bit that i thought it was nice to include uh the google stadia finally has an exclusive it's a bomberman battle royale what year is it i, I straight up don't have anything to say about that just just that's the whole sentence alone is one of the funniest things i think i will ever say <laughs> oh man 
And here's the fucked up here's the fucked up part about it. I'm like curious about it. (laughs) (laughs) Are you actually gonna sign up for it? Oh I mean no, but I would like I will watch a video of this Bomberman Battle Royale. I have one friend that casually plays games, so he likes the stadia. I will ask him about that. (laughs) Yeah, be like, hey, can you just like report back your findings on uh this Bomberman Battle Royale, so I don't have to. Thanks. For the pod. <laughs> oh, speaking oh. of Battle Royale, that just reminded me. I forgot to mention uh, in the games I've been playing, I downloaded that Ninjala game, and I hate it. Do you hate it? Dude, I, here's the thing. I hate it because I'm really fucking bad at it, but I just, like, uh, I'm not... I mean, part I'm of not good. relies on luck. Yeah, I was just like, I don't... It's like, I feel like I should be better at this game than the game is telling me that I am but i'm not <laughs> so i um no the one that i'm really interested on is uh vigor uh, have you seen that one on the switch i don't know what that is i don't think it's a free-to-play um think i guess PUBG style for lack of a better i guess since that's the original i guess big battle royale um but think of it as instead of going in and kind of surviving to the last one you are going in for a mission, get, and you can either get in and stay for as long as you can and rack up the more gear, more more rewards, or you can get in, get out, and rebuild a, your base on your own quick. Um, smaller maps, smaller um, people, so you're, it's a little more intimate and different play styles. There's different ways you can do it. Okay, that sounds. It's got a it's got a cool premise. It's. I think it's supposed to have launched already, but I tried downloading on the Switch and it said it wasn't out yet. So I don't know what the hell happened with that. But oh, weird. Yeah, YouTube has it marketed as now available, but when I went on the Switch, I want to say like a day or two ago, it was. It said expected release date like seven, eight, and obviously we're past that. So I don't know. Oh, how weird. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. I think if I'm gonna be real with you, I think it might be over Battle Royales at this point. I kind of am too, but if that one has a cool premise, I'm willing to check it out. I mean, I, I played that new one for a little bit that uh, coincidentally Ubisoft is also putting out, like Hyperscape or whatever, and I was like, this yeah. is kind of cool, but it's just another Battle Royale. Right. Probably with a little bit more integration for when you die. But that's about it. Yeah. And Twitch. Yeah, but other than that, I'm just like, it's it's another one. Yeah. To me, Vegas sounds cool because it, it's a little bit... It, it's not just survive. It, you're going in with a mission... And you can get in, get out, or get the payload and become the target. And there's different ways you can do it. You can do stealth, going guns blazing. I mean, obviously, you see that in a lot of games. Um, yeah. But a little bit different for the battle rail. I mean, who knows how far this genre can go? Um, probably not very far, but this is something. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like new games coming out, but I, I I think I could go the rest of my life without playing another battle royale or seeing another battle royale. I mean, you will. You'll definitely see a lot more. Yeah. If Tetris could be one, anything can. Well, see, here's the thing about the Tetris battle royale. It's just Tetris with a bunch of other people. Like that's different enough to where like that's not like. <laughs> Get me my like, super royale. That straight up sounds like a nightmare. I am down. Uh, not even going to entertain that. I will. I know you will. Who do I got to call? Ghostbusters. 
Yeah, Bomberman. Got, gotcha. Um, yeah, so Bomberman Battle Royale exclusive to Stadia. How long it's exclusive? I don't know, uh, but that's wow. Yes, I, I do know like Stadia is getting a couple timed exclusives this year, so we'll hear about those games when they're no longer timed exclusives. What a what a ride the Stadia stuff has been. Anyway, moving right along. Uh, this was like it's not like really like news news, but I just thought this was super interesting since like Nintendo has been partnering so hard with Lego. Have you seen yeah. the NES that they're doing? It looks really cool, <laughs> dude. It the, it the image, well, the quote unquote image on the TV moves, and it and it partners up with the the Mario set that they announced before too. Yeah, um, it looks really fucking cool. It looks really cool. It's at a high price point. It's like two hundred fifty bucks or something like that. That's but it's really that's pretty. Cool. That's pretty par for the course with Lego, though. I think all their shits like expensive. Yeah, it is. Um. One thing I saw a funny take on YouTube um, was saying it's like you realize Nintendo has more things announced with Lego than they do first party games as of right now. Yeah, you know what? That checks out. <laughs> I mean, there's rumors that we're going to get a uh, direct soon. Um, but as of right now, yeah, Lego is where they're putting everything at. And it looks really cool. Yeah, as a longtime Lego uh, fan, slash builder it's like it's really cool to see something like that happen like i just think that that nes set looks so fucking good like i thought the uh like the the mario set they're releasing with like the weird digital screen mario was like kind of weird but there's something about that nest set the second i saw it i was just like yeah that's fucking sick seeing like the packaging and everything like they're just packed with nostalgia too is really cool yeah also just made me feel old as fuck that too I wonder if my dad still has the old NES somewhere in storage. I want to say we still have ours at my mom's. You have to go like fucking storage bin diving at my parents' house. Yeah, no kidding. Or just turn on your Nintendo Switch. Haha, true. They yeah. uh, they they put out they put out Donkey Kong Country on the Super NES. The yeah, they console. did. I'm excited for that. I'm just gonna go to the underwater levels and listen to that music. It's so cool, especially because, like, obviously, Donkey Kong Country is still a thing. So they have a lot of people that never played the first one that might because they like Tropical Freeze and all of that. Yeah, good move. I like I like Donkey Kong Country a lot. Hopefully, it makes them put the rest of the Donkey Kong Country games on there, especially uh, Diddy's Conquest. The second one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the final bit of news that we have here is just, like, the big announcement i guess from the past week uh it leaked initially so i think because that ubisoft was yes and ubisoft just said fuck it i guess and uh they announced far cry 6 uh uh juan carlo esposito is the villain so for those of you who don't know that is that is gus fring from breaking bad oh yeah it is and better call saul he's in better call saul too put some respect on that show yeah, it's a good show. It's a very uh, good show. But the the second I saw like the promo image with him on it, I was like, are I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like this is this is sick. Yeah, take that, Kojima. We got someone too. And there were rumors that got debunked though that the kid that he's like with it was Voss from Far Cry Three, but they uh they said it wasn't. Oh, that would have been cool. I mean it didn't have yeah. to be, but it would have been cool. 
Yeah, he even has like the scar like Vosted, so people were just like, oh shit. And funny enough, uh from Better Call Saul Oh, and Breaking Bad, the guy that plays Voss plays one of like the, the drug dealers in Better Call Saul. Yeah, he does. So I just thought that was a cool little thing. So I was like, oh shit, they're really leaning into like just using Breaking Bad people for this. Then it turns out that it's not Voss. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, but I mean, Far Cry's are fun. Yeah, those are like the, you know, that mix between like, oh, you can handle this any way you want. Plus like the millions of icons on your mini map and shit. Like I have, yeah. I can I can only play like one of those games every once in a while, I think. So I think uh, Far Cry 6 might be that game. I mean, it doesn't come out until February. Like they announced the release date for February 18th. So a little yeah. a few months away, but with yeah. Delay. Um, with delay, yeah. I am, uh, I'm excited for that. It should, yeah. be, should be pretty cool. I mean, the cool thing about Far Cry games is that they're not annualized. They space them out to where you, you end up missing it and you're ready for the next one by the time they announce it. Yeah, I mean, when they announced Far Cry 5, I was kind of just like, I don't know if I want to play another Far Cry game. But now that, like, 6 is coming out, I was like, I think I'm ready for another Far Cry. Yeah, I mean, even then, I mean, they bucked for Far Cry 5 if you really wanted to, like, dig in and just check it out first. Uh, timing couldn't be better for all of this. Yeah, I'll play almost any game for under $10, if I'm being completely honest with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, speaking of games for under $10, I keep forgetting all these games that I've been playing that are just spaced out. I've been playing Celeste. Oh yeah, what do you think about that? Uh, one, it's a really cool. It's it's a good game. I like it a lot. I like platformers. Um, that soundtrack is sort of one of the best things I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, hands down. I saved I saved it on Spotify. That's how much I like that fucking soundtrack. It's so good. Have you beaten it yet or no? No, I've only played about an hour or so of it. Like I played. I decided to fire it up that I looked at what time it was and I was like, ooh, I have to go to work in the morning. So I went to bed, but um, it's probably another one that I'll play. It plays really well because uh, I have it on PC, so it plays yeah. plays really well on PC. Um, yeah, it's. I think it's a really good game, and like I said, that the music in that game is, is so good. Yeah, and what I like about it is that it doesn't feel unfair. Like, if you mess up, you know you messed up. So you wanted to play it oh, again yeah. so you can get it right. Yeah, every time, like, I've died, I've been like, okay, so if I just do this this next time, I'll be good. Or, like, yeah. I, I legitimately feel like, oh, I'm just a fucking idiot. Yeah, like, you like, ba it's basically like you inch further and further every time. And there's some uh, sequences there. You gotta be on it for a long time. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Like, uh, I'm excited to see what like my death toll looks like because I wasn't expecting to see like an oh, actual like man. showing me like how many deaths I had by the end of like the level. So when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> yeah, this is fucked. Yeah, but good game. Uh, I'm excited to talk about it more when you finish that one. Yeah, well, whenever whenever that is, I'm in the midst of like so many other fucking games right now. Yeah, whenever it may be. We we got a whole itchio bundle to get to. <laughs> yeah, very very true. Uh, so that basically does it for news. Not really like a whole lot going on besides, you know, just what seems to be the normal now is just like shitty dudes getting outed for being shitty dudes. But that's probably a topic for another episode that I think deserves probably some more time. Yeah, definitely. I do want to give a quick shout out to a friend's podcast, though. Uh, the Goodnight Gamescast. Um, some friends of mine, Jesus and Moy. Uh, Jesus, actually, we're going to get him on the show at some point. Uh, at what point we don't know but it will happen um 
they're more part of the fighting game community where a lot of this stuff happened uh go check out their episode because they kind of have a little bit more um i guess understanding and a better way to get the the points across that we probably would um because we're not, I don't, we're not I don't know shit about fighting. Games. Yeah, exactly. We're not a part of that community, but fighting games are clearly a big part of gaming in general. So definitely, it's an important episode. Go check it out. Uh, Good night, Gamescast. Uh, wherever you get your podcast from, Spotify, Apple Music. I think they're on Stitcher. I, yeah, I think they're on all the usual suspects. Yeah, if you if you listen to a thing that has podcasts on it, they are probably on that thing with the podcast. Yeah, and it, it, although we are not a part of that community, it's an important topic to talk about, and I do think Absolutely. they did a great job handling that. Yeah, so good night, Gamescast. Go peep that shit. Uh, so I think it's time we get into the main event of our show. Um, we had a, a much longer list of games to talk about, but then we realized, oh, we're going to be here for three years. Uh, so we're basically each going to talk about uh, a couple of our favorite games from each, uh, basically from each console that has come out. You know, like we right, said earlier, we skipped out on handheld. Yeah, I, I I find it so hard to consider handheld like a console. Like I no, feel like a handheld, handheld generations. Yeah, and we figured since you know. PS4 and Xbox One are on their way out. We basically have a new console generation starting. We would uh, get a little nostalgic about some of our like favorite games from past generations and games that we just think are like important to gaming in general that have been out. Right. Um, and we're basically going through this in chronological order. Uh, we're going to start off with the uh, with the NES. Uh, Keith, you want to kick this off? Yeah, I had two. Um one being more important than the other um i really liked excite bike on the nes um it was just a, it was a fun game i was super young playing it obviously um so i had such hard problems balancing that freaking bike on the dirt trails i still can't do that yeah it, it's rough um but i had a lot of fun playing it but the one i think is more important because obviously sports games are such an annualized thing i don't think any of that would have been possible without I guess the NES as a whole, since there's such a huge foundation of sports games on that. Um, but Tech Mobile, I mean, think about it. Madden wouldn't exist if there wasn't Tech Mobile, and Madden's a moneymaker. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, I love Tech Mobile. I love playing as the Raiders and just getting Bo Jackson and running over everybody. Um, surprisingly, for a game at that early in time, it was it was stat accurate. There, if you're Bo Jackson running, you could basically just run up the score and see the cheerleaders dance and not feel bad about it i'm so not a football guy so this is all just like you might as well just be speaking a fucking foreign language to me it's like yeah <laughs> i was like isn't like i was like i was like bo jackson i was like isn't that that one like wrestler that nobody likes like oh, oh wait no we're talking football okay yeah yeah no you're talking um fuck, bo dallas was, that's what bo dallas is. yeah bo dallas. how did i even forget that we got he's been off of tv for so long why does he how still have I, a job there and, and how did i how did i get that before you yeah i don't know i'm i mean do to thrive somewhere else uh, this is not a wrestling top we're not getting there i can talk about nes pro wrestling if we really wanted to um but yeah technical version just, of me is probably the one i just want to side quest where you i just want to side quest where you do nothing but talk about wwe like pure wrestling or the wrestling games i could do either one i can do this all day fuck it nah dude just talk about straight wrestling not even have a video game related i don't care oh shit this is gonna be dark all right one day if the viewers want it i want it that's enough all right we'll do it someday 
yeah Tecmo Bowl set, set the groundwork uh, sports games are huge obviously uh, probably less huge than they've been I remember there was just like a there was like Madden was like the game like every year but now it's just like I feel it's slowly on the decline especially since like a lot of like the especially like with terms of like the 2k like nba games that they're just like so microtransaction riddled and like just weird not good yeah i mean but think of it this way the average person playing it doesn't care <laughs> very like, very just, true they like appeal the to average, a certain audience right the average retail worker who just watches sports like crazy um they don't care <laughs> they just want to play their uh their new England Patriots. Yeah, they, they just want to see some sweat. I do love I do love sweat I do love sweat physics. I did see a thing that said think about how long Tom Brady has been playing football. And I think it showed I think it was it might have been 2001 Madden that had Tom Brady and then it showed Madden 21, but he's with the Bucks this time. It's like Jesus Christ. He's been playing so long that technology has changed. That's fucked up, man. Oh yeah, definitely, dude. Straight up Illuminati. Anyway, go. What, what are your NES games? Uh, so my first one is Super Mario Brothers Three. Yes. Uh, I think a lot of people generally like talk about like the OG Super Mario Brothers, and I just initially put that on my list before. But the one I think about, like with Mario Three, did like that introduced like this Tanuki suit and like all that shit. Right. I think it did. I think it did a lot more for platform. Like obviously, like when I think of OG Super Mario Brothers, that's like. That's obviously like the OG, you know what I mean? Like platformers are exist because of original Mario Brothers, basically. But I think Super Mario Brothers 3 took what Mario Brothers did and just said, let's fucking go and took it to like this crazy level in terms of like graphics, in terms of like how well it plays, like mechanics wise, like just like size of it too like mario 3 is a big fucking game when you right think about yeah it. yeah it definitely is and uh, i was gonna include metroid in this for that same reason but i did include one later on that's really the the, the the groundbreaking for that series so i get why you put mario bros 3 over the first mario brothers yeah for sure um the other game i have here is the first legend of zelda game um so my dad had a the, the super that's uh, the nes at my parents house was my dad's like uh he got that i think before i was born right so that, that was just there and he never got any new games for it like the games that he had were just like the ones he had he had some that were like gifted to him by like i think friends of his or whatever but one of the ones he did have was the original legend of zelda and i remember between that and like the first final fantasy game that i, I played those i played original zelda like almost non-stop and the fact that it was like the battery saved games so you could just like you you weren't constrained to like having to start the game over from the beginning you didn't right. have to worry about like there wasn't the point system that most games had like you could just stop the game and pick it right back up where you were like that like that was like the first ever like save system basically so it's really fucking cool uh also it plays really well and it holds up really well like like zelda 2 doesn't hold up great right, with the side but, scrolling and all of that yeah not a great game overall but i think og legend of zelda is very very fucking good yeah it's very playable to this day i mean if you think about it that's where the main inspiration for breath of the wild came from yeah basically and that's one of the few games where when the switch virtual console first launched with nes i was like 
oh shit, it's got OG Zelda on it. That was the first game that I played. Yeah, exactly. So say that more on that one. Yeah. That's basically it for NES. Um, so next we have Super Nintendo. Uh, full disclosure, my favorite game of all time is on the Super Nintendo. So I am going to just come out and say that uh, Chrono Trigger is probably one of the best RPGs, if not the best RPG ever made. Um, I don't know if it did a lot in terms of like revolutionize, like revolutionizing the gaming industry or anything like that, but uh, I think that game is basically as close to flawless as you can possibly get. I mean, it's still getting ported over too many things to this day. Yeah, granted, those ports like are not very good. Like the, the original launch of the Steam port was like basically a fucking disaster, and they had to like wasn't it the mobile patch- version? Basically, and they had to like patch it to hell because it looked like shit too, but. Yeah, uh, Chrono Trigger is one of my favorite games of all time. The best version of that game is probably the one on 3DS. Uh, I think Chrono Trigger is straight up the, the reason I haven't even, where I, I still haven't gotten rid of my 3DS at this point, just because if I have the itch and I don't want to play it on my PC, I want to play it on that. Um, yeah, I, I could honestly fill up an entire podcast episode just gushing about Chrono Trigger, so I'm going to stop there and go on to the next side game. Quest. That would be. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll just do a big side quest on, uh, on Chrono Trigger. Yeah and elaborate more on that but yeah we'll save that for another time uh the other game that i have from super nintendo i think you would probably agree with this one in terms of like impact on gaming is linked to the past yeah this is definitely a one that crosses over for us that it, it it's nice because it's kind of one of the first games that i remember that has like almost like two games in one where you feel like okay this yes. is the ending and then it's got a whole other part for it they could have very well ended the game with the Aghanim boss fight, and you people would have been, I think, pretty satisfied with that. But the fact that they just straight up were like, here's the dark world, like, as a kid, that was straight up mind-blowing. Right, and, and it's cool because they've kind of... Obviously, the game's gotten re-released. Almost every game on here has gotten re-released. And sure, the changes to this are so minimal um, because everything about it, still holds up i think really the only thing that's changed is maybe verbiage to kind of make it fit in a little bit more with ocarina the lore that it opened up for everything um, yeah now that they have a timeline they have to unfortunately make everything yeah to it. but even then they only changed maybe like i would say a small handful of words in the opening sequence to do that other than that it's the same game um and it just it looks good it still holds up it kind of got some spiritual sequels on the GameCube all these years later. Well, and on the 3DS, because yeah, Link, right. Link Between Worlds. Yeah, you're right. But, yeah, I think I, I think one of the strongest things about Link to the Past 2 is, like, some of, like, the music on that game is just so, like, instantly recognizable. Yeah, the Kakariko and... Village. Um, that's the one that comes to mind for me. Yeah, I think of Kakariko Village, and I think of, like, the Lost Woods. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just, there's so much, and there's just, like, it's... Even like the dark, the dark world music when you initially like go there is just there. There's a like, I, I feel like it's easy to look at games with like the rosy, the rose tinted glasses, you know. But I think, I, I think Link to the Past is just straight up, like that's one of the few games where I can say like, damn, this shit is basically perfect. Right, and there's definitely. I mean, if you think about it, also a lot of casual players still associate Ganon with just Pig Ganon. Yeah, uh, that basically made Pig Ganon. Ganon. Yeah, essentially. Like, that's for a lot of people, that's the only Ganon. 
Yeah, Link to the Past. Fucking great game. Sick game. I will I will play that shit forever. Uh, if you have a Switch and you have online, I am like 99% sure that it's on the virtual console there. I think it is. Play Link to the fucking Past if you have it. If you have it, I don't know what the fuck's your problem, but yeah, yeah play that you shit. You better be so young you haven't played it yet, and that's your excuse. So... I looked at demographics. They're not. <laughs> you should have played it already. Anyway. Yeah, for real. Um. So, yeah, on mine, um, did you ever play Rampart? No, I'm looking at this. I was trying to, I thought you put Rampage at first, and I was like, yeah, dude, Rampage fucking rocks. Oh, Rampage <laughs> fucking rules. Yeah, I love The Rock. Oh, man, it's been a while since I gave him a shout out. Um, shout no, out to Rampart my boy, Dwayne. Yeah, shout out to Dwayne. Um, no, Rampart is a game. Um, it's kind of got this like medieval aspect to it, like castles and everything. But you you build up your like your castle walls, and then it's best played in two player. There's a single player campaign. I didn't care for it at all. Essentially, think of it: two people use almost like Tetris bricks and lay out their walls and have to set up like different rooms and all that. But you have to give your space in your rooms to be to put your cannons and use those cannons on the next round you have like say 60 seconds to fire your little cursor and knock then like basically shoot your cannons and take out as many of the other players walls as they can and then what's the end of that you go into rebuilding phase where you use the same tetris bricks to set up the walls and everything again um but if your walls don't happen to connect in any perfect way um basically whoever whoever fails first loses um super fun super quick super competitive game uh, definitely talked a lot of shit to a couple cousins during that <laughs> Um, eh, simple addiction. I loved Rampart. It, it wasn't a game changer, but it was one that I spent a lot of time playing with family. Um, I'm looking at screenshots of it right now, and this looks like it's something that would very much be right up my alley because I love a good RTS. Yeah, and it, it, it's it's an RT it's an RTS perspective, but it's not really an RTS playstyle. You're really just building your walls and then using the next round to shoot shoot the other one down. Um, but you got to be careful because each one is timed like super fast. So while you're building your walls, you got to one, be conscious of making everything line up while not knowing what your next piece is going to be. And also giving yourself space to put your cannons inside your walls because you can't put them outside. Um, so it, it, it was fun. It was fun. It was kind of like a, like I said, fast, high pressure, but low stakes. Just have some fun with family. Good game. Um, looking at the box art for Rampart right now, and this knight... Isn't he, like, look like, like he's, like, shitting bricks or something? Yeah, he's not having a good time. I think this is going to be the cover image for the episode. <laughs> you, you can literally picture him like, fuck! Yeah, yeah, he's, uh... He's having a bad day, for sure. Yeah, is he, like, pointing back at the castle or something like that, too? Yeah, and it's, like, on fire. This is just a bad time. <laughs> yeah, I'm going off of memory. I'm telling you, I played a lot of that game. Um, you basically described it flawlessly. Like, I'm looking at it right now. I was like, oh, shit. Like, he just, oh, he's just nailing it. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of game on that. A lot of time on that game. Um, next one, three, was, uh, for me, was Mortal Kombat 3. Um, I played a lot of the base game, but there was a hidden Galaga mode on there that was so intense um there's two ways to unlock it one was you know when obviously you're in that, that like waiting screen how you can do the little codes and stuff like that for whatever play mode you want to do yeah but then there was also it was almost like the konami code um at the the entrance screen um because when you did the codes and unlocked cool things and then like cooler things and i think it was on the cooler things and you press it and it takes you it says like you've been transported to another realm 
one uh, free of tournament fight style. Um, this is something different. And it just straight up throws you in a co-op Galaga thing that's so fucking frantic. It's hard. And that's where I got most of my skills from. I love that this is your Galaga origin story and it's an immortal combat game of all things. Yeah, I, I got... Like, some people were like adapted to the lifestyle and i was kind of born into it bane style and yeah it set the pace for a lot of things to come all right so what is mortal kombat galaga like is it just like a straight up galaga in mortal kombat or are you like fucking raiden shooting lightning at like goro's no, head or some it's bullshit straight up galaga in mortal kombat there's nothing to do with anything else no characters no nothing except for the laughing when uh, when you die because it just goes endless and at the end you see um like who shot more who took out more ships who um had a better hit percentage and it just goes endlessly until someone dies basically until someone runs out of their three lives um so it's cool because like you're working together but still trying to see who gets further um and i remember if you're a second player there's a little glitch to where like every like 10 seconds you can shoot one single shot and <laughs> out and hopefully kill someone um, hell yeah like i said i spent a lot of time with the snes um you can probably still YouTube and see the clip. It's just straight. It's it's more frantic Galaga. Nah, man. I'm just gonna play the Mortal Kombat Kart Racer. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, Mortal Kombat Three Galaga. That was a lot of time spent for me. But really, game changer that I included was a Super Metroid. That's the one where I'm saying that. Yes. I could have included Metroid, but this was really the one that kind of took the franchise in a whole new um, level. The best Metroid game, some would say. Some, not all, but definitely some. By some, I mean me. <laughs> oh, yeah, but some also not pronounce Zebus the right way. I'm going to fucking slap you so hard. <laughs> I had to go there, but oh, man. Yeah, the, the game, full, flawless experience for its time. It's It holds up. It, it's very much like A Link to the Past, where you... If the harder, I guess you say, just because it's Metroidvania. Well, this was pre-Metroidvania. This was. This is also another. I'd say if you're if you have a Switch, you have online. Go play Super Metroid. Absolutely, a hundred percent. I feel like the amount of people that haven't played Super Metroid is probably greater than the people that haven't played Link to the Past. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um. And to some people, they don't really want to kind of deal with that playstyle because it's it's different. It's not it's not just a typical platformer, you know. Um, but it's it's a rewarding one, to for to say the least. Yeah, it's definitely a game that we're def that we definitely cross over with in terms of like importance of Super Nintendo because I I played the fuck out of Super Metroid when I was younger, and that's just one of those games where I, it left such an impression on me. It's just like you said, like Link to the Past, where it's like. Uh, I have to actively think of like what's like something to dislike about that game. Right, yeah. And it's a game, if you haven't played it, you're going to get stuck. It's going to be frustrating, but that makes it so much more satisfying when you get past that part that you just can't figure out what the fuck to do. I will say that's probably my one flaw with it. It's so easy to not know what the fuck you're doing in that game. Yeah, I, I will say one thing. I, I do plan on eventually getting to 
side quest um especially probably because we're gonna have that downtime from now until the generations launch um one thing i will say that i'm definitely gonna talk about is this one room specifically you don't know what the hell to do but if you can somehow <laughs> figure it out the room itself and all like the wildlife and brush is shaped like a super bomb if you really squint your eyes and focus super hard you might notice it if not you're just gonna spam shit and then it's like oh shit that worked yeah that's your hint the room is somewhat shaped like a super bomb <laughs> i love when games would just do dumb bullshit like that oh that was the dumbest bullshit because i was stuck in it for so long yeah i think like it's so hard like i had an honorable mention too like for my super nintendo i had act razor on here for about for a while before yeah, I'm I took surprised it off. You didn't, knowing you i'm surprised you didn't add that one on there yeah, I, I try to limit it to two as much as possible, and I think Link to the Past and Chrono Trigger, well, definitely, especially Chrono Trigger, like Trump Act Razor for me. But uh, in terms of yeah. like games that I enjoyed a lot when I was younger, Act Razor is definitely so far up on that list. Like that game is really fucking good. Right, it's still playable to this day. That is one aspect where I think I will slightly disagree with you. I have recently played Act Razor, and it kind of didn't hold up as well as i expected it really, to really really okay i'm a few years out from the last time i touched it but i remember playing thinking yeah this is all right this is still this is still fun yeah i don't know i i just My think boot. i was like yeah i, I was just like mm. i i think it's starting to reach the point where just the way it plays is just dated so that yeah i just yes yeah. yeah, so i i just I don't think it holds up as well as it does, but still a fucking great game and one that I will gladly wear the nostalgia goggles for all day. Right, right. So, yeah, SNES was very good. And if you think about it, that was kind of the, I guess the start of 3D playing, because I mean, you had like Star Fox and things like that on yes. there that kind of really kind of got the illusion of 3D. See, that's why that's why it's so hard to limit this like just like a couple games because like i think super nintendo like super nes especially is when there was just so many good games coming out that's right it's so hard to limit it right right so yeah great generation oh absolutely uh next we have we're gonna move on to n64 uh huge step in the snes as far as oh for how sure games started playing keith i'll let you kick off this one also before you go i also just wanted to uh just say this i was definitely i think keith will agree with this i was definitely more of like the nintendo kids we're basically not talking about any of the sega shit because uh yeah i didn't own a genesis i didn't own a saturn i didn't own a dreamcast so i i had like friends that did so i guess uh c-man was cool if you really want to hear me talk about dreamcast <laughs> yeah i mean i had a genesis but a lot of it kind of goes right in with the the uh, Super Nintendo. I mean, Lion King was hard. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, Sonic I'll, the Hedgehog. Yeah. yeah, with Knuckles. Um, yeah, N64. Um, I have one that I purposely let out because I'll get back to that, and it's a big one. Um, I'm just going to say it, it's fucking Ocarina of Time. We'll get there. Um, but yeah, Cock, Cock is Bad for a Day basically shaped me as an individual <laughs> for better or for worse oh definitely for worse now that now that uh you've said that it, it's made me realize a lot about you and i think i just i learned things about you today i'll put it this way i played dd kong racing and i was like oh i love this scroll and then i saw that uh, the scroll got a game ddd from kirby yeah that one <laughs> 
Yeah, I played, I played Diddy Kong Racing, I saw Conqueror, I and I was like, oh, I love the squirrel. And I saw the squirrel got a game, and I remember being at Sam's, seeing, it was, it was, for some reason, it was cheaper to get the game with a player's guide than like a pack. So I told him, I'm like, oh, I want this. Look, it's cheaper. And so I told her, it's a scroll from Conquer. She's like, oh, okay. And the guy asking, do you really want to get in this game? Are you sure? And she said, well, he wants it. And I had yeah, look no at that cute ass squirrel. Yeah, and I had no clue what the hell the game was until I started playing. I was like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> Killing Teddy. Yo, dude, the fucking great mighty poo. The great mighty poo. Oh, man. When I freaking went to town on that flower, I remember my brother playing that, being like, what the hell? And all of a sudden he was on board, so we were both playing it together, and I feel like we bonded <laughs> over that. Um,. I don't think my grandma ever noticed <laughs> when we were playing at her house when we'd stay at her place, but oh man, that game shaped me. Good to know that your formative years were the result of playing a lot of Conqueror's Bad Fur Day. A lot of it was. Um, I mean, it's it's a good platform, 3D platformer too, like, not just to say like how like it was, I guess, controversial over time, but it was a good game. I mean, it worked well. Yeah, I wonder how many parents like, unwill like unknowingly bought that for their kids. I can name one. Uh, just coming <laughs> home and there's just like, just see your kid fucking throwing toilet paper into the mouth of a big shit nugget. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and I know they redid it for, I think, I think it was Xbox, the line reloaded. I mean, yeah. it was the same game, but it didn't have the same charm because part of it was that like childhood innocence that they kind of Lot, yeah, part of it was because it looked with... like fuck. It, it looked like Banjo Kazooie, but it, the, the... <laughs> it looked like Banjo Kazooie, but the squirrel yeah. said fuck. Like it's it was like an insane thing. And the best part was that like they, they censored every other fuck, so like it made no sense of when they like bleeped it out and when they didn't. <laughs> Honestly, a, a a true gem of its era. Yeah, and then making the bull like shit itself till it blows up, uh, with the cranberry juice. Um would love to see someone try to make that game today. <laughs> I mean, no, it can't happen. It, it can't. It's, if it get me today, it's going to be hit an AO. Someone's, no one's going to make it today. It's the Elijah video games. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. There's a reference no one's going to get. There's going to be one listener. Or, or one listener. Yes. Um... One thing I will say, <laughs> I actually tried so hard not to say it, just like break it the episode last week. We were talking about The Last of Us 2's bleak ending. Conker's Bad Friday has a bleak ending. I don't even think I remember the ending to Conker's Bad Friday. Um, you go to space because I think, what's his name, Candy? The, the one that he had a crush on gets yeah. abducted by the King Panther uh, out to space. And then you find out the, the king is actually an alien. So you basically do... Um, is it Aliens where, where Ripley gets into the mech suit? I think it was the second one, right? Yes. Yeah, so you do the basically the end fight of Aliens, but she ends up dying. So he ends up talking to like the game developer, saying, like, no, no, let's go back and save her. But you can't. So he ends up being king, but she's dead. So he's living for nothing. Like, it all amounted to nothing. There's no point in being king without the queen, basically. It was bleak. So what you're saying is The Last of Us 2 ripped off Conker's Bad Fur Day. I'm saying it's the most bleak 
ending in gaming since Conker's Bad for a Day. So what you're saying is Last of Us 2 is basically just a remake of Conker's Bad for a Day. A one-to-one remake, yeah. Okay, there it is. Good. I just wanted to make sure that's what you were, you were you had to, putting you had to down there. You out of me, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, good game. Good game. Um, yeah, my next one was uh, Pokemon Stadium 1 and 2. Um, I'll back that. Is other than, yeah, other than Snap, this is really your your first console Pokemon experience, and it was fun. It was fun. It was really cool, kind of setting up your team, going through the gym challenge, and going through the Elite Four, but on your screen. And um, did you have the adapter where you could play your Game Boy game on the screen? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was great. Um, I remember. I still remember his name. His name was Jesse. His cousin stole it from me from my grandma's house on the, on the first one and said no we didn't take it this is mine I was like yeah it has my initials on it but once Pokemon Stadium 2 came out I was like huh you ain't coming over to play it and he hated me so that was great um, <laughs> I remember purposely leaving the window open so he could see us play it um what a move oh yeah it's it's it, it, the woo started young um Jesus Christ but yeah, after playing those games and kind of getting over the battling, you still have the, the mini games to just go back to and play endlessly. Yeah, I my one gripe with like the Pokemon Stadium games though is like you they you had to really like those mini games because if <laughs> you'd be playing those a lot more often than the actual Pokemon battling for sure. And I did, <laughs> especially especially the second one. I like the second one more because that's when obviously Johto was a thing. So you yeah. kind of had like the, the like the the Furret ones, and I think that was where you had the um, the Alakazam like Atari, Atari like mimicking games and things like that. Yeah, I would like a modern Pokemon Stadium. I think I would like maybe not Pokemon Stadium. But something having to do with like Coliseum and that franchise kind of going onward. Sure. Because those were like a whole ass other adventure, weren't they? Yeah, those actually had like single player components to it. Actual anime for moves. Oh yeah, I, I bring back Snorlax drop kicking people. Yeah, that was great. Um. I mean, obviously with Pokemon Snap, that's cool. I mean, I do think there's room for more variety in Pokemon that's not Detective Pikachu. Yeah, for sure. Pikachu, I'll say. Yeah, straight up, I'm tired of Pikachu. A lot of people are. Eevee was a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I don't know, man. Pikachu's cool and all, I guess, but I don't know. He's... And the kids love him. Yeah. Or her if it's Lucha. Fucked up kids. Uh, so for my N sixty four games, yeah. Uh, so I know we said we're going to talk about Ocarina because that's going to be one of our shared ones for sure. Um, I said Majora's Mask because that's probably my favorite Zelda game. Um, I just love how they went like the the dark like route with it. I game's fucked was up. For. Yeah, that game's fucked up, dude. It's just like 
there's so much terrifying shit that just happens in that game. Definitely fucked me up as a kid, but I think it's uh, I think it's stronger for it. I know a lot of people beef with Majora's Mask, but uh, I have a lot of love for that game. I loved it because they didn't try to top Ocarina. They made a different game. Using this the is their standalone expansion. Aspects, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's... If you think about it, it's the first entry into that new, like, triple timeline thing that they kind of went back and created later. Yeah. Um, yeah, very much. Did you ever see the Hard Times article that I posted on Facebook a while back? I don't know if I did. It was basically, Terminal Resident convinced Giant Ominous Moon is a liberal hoax. Oh, that's good. I love that. <laughs> it's so good. He's basically saying, no, I'm not going to look up. That's what they want you to do. <laughs> oh man, love that! Yeah, incels and in, incels and in Zelda, incels, one might say. In Zelda's, yeah, it's, it's using Gorman. <laughs> oh my god! Of course, of course, he would be the fucking conspiracy theory motherfucker too. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Majora's Mask. That's a game I hold in high regard as well too not my favorite zelda game but it's one that i hold in very high regard i actually don't know i have never actually sat down and thought what's my favorite zelda game um but that's definitely it, it's up there it, for those that gave it the fair chance it left a lasting impression oh yeah for sure and i think it's only gotten better with time especially since they did they gave it the ocarina treatment and did the uh the remake on 3ds right yeah and that definitely gave a lot of people the chance to kind of go back um and what I thought was really cool about it is that you have a lot of people. It's got the sympathetic antagonist, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. So that's one of the great things about The Last of Us that everyone's kind of got something that you like, but they're guilty of something. Same that this is it right here. So what you're saying is it's a one to one. Okay, that's you don't have to drag I, this one out of me. Yeah, I, I picked up what you were putting down there. Yeah, one to one. Quote me now. Uh, the other game that I put down for the sixty-four, I'm sure you probably agree with me on this one. Also, was Super Mario sixty-four. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Um, I I think this is the game that made people believe in three D gaming. I would say so. Yeah. It. It. I mean. While it has its dated aspects, a lot of it is still very playable. Yeah, for sure. I think, and I think like graphics-wise too. I think this is one of the games from that N sixty four era that help, that holds up a lot better. Um, it does. Oh, a lot of games look ugly as fuck nowadays with those early polygonal days. But I think the Mario shit is so simple that there's just like a charm to it. Yeah, I mean they invent multiple that one and to be 2d mario and to yep this is it this is what it is <laughs> yeah i i think mario 64 did for like n64 games what like i think super mario th mario brothers 3 did at the time like i was saying for like platformers then yeah. it was just like a complete game changer yeah, I'd say it's one of the most important games in history. Yeah, and one that I didn't put down, I had this on my list too, but narrowed it down. Uh, GoldenEye, I think, is another one of those N64 right. games with, like, influence there is undeniable. Right. I think 
yeah, GoldenEye was one of the ones that I didn't put down, but definitely deserves attention, and so was Banjo-Kazooie, actually. Yeah, Banjo-Kazooie definitely followed up on, like, the groundwork that, that Super Mario 64 had laid down. Right, exactly. Exactly. It, it, I'd say it's... Mario 64 played the groundwork, and Banjo-Kazooie had the blueprint that's been used more. But that wouldn't happen without 64. Yeah, absolutely. And there's also, you know, the Superman, uh, you know, greatest game ever that was on the N64. Oh, Superman we 64, know, the greatest one. game of all time? Yeah, climb through rings. <laughs> if you think about it, Last of Us 2. <laughs> it's one-to-one. You, know, you fly through it. You fly through rings. I'm assuming when, 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 uh, <laughs> Dina gives Ellie a ring. You know, I had to really hold back and say this, but Last of Us Part Two it makes you feel like Superman. Holy shit! <laughs> I'm glad we got that one out there. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's like there's a lot of games on N64 I think that were like really good because I think I think N64 along with like the PS1 were like really the formative years of like 3D gaming like sure you had fucking Star Fox on the Super Nintendo but I think the 3D shit really didn't hit its stride until N64 yeah it really didn't um, I mean they had to kind of make an illu- like illusion of, of um, polygonal like figures and yeah super nintendo but with the it was such a huge step in technology in those few short years um the gap between cnes and and, and we kind of liked to think it was so the image rides um now i unfortunately didn't have a ps1 so i kind of stuck to the n64 for a while until the gamecube kind of was the thing um so i think we'll kind of segue this into ps1 and i'll let you take the reins on this one yeah so i will uh I'll be handling the PS1 portion here. Um, When I think of important games on PlayStation 1, uh, I think there's one that's basically unavoidable to talk about. Right. Uh, That would be Final Fantasy 7. Yeah. Um, It's not my favorite Final Fantasy. Uh, It's not even my favorite one that came out on the PS1. Obviously, my favorite Final Fantasy of all time is 9. But Final Fantasy 7 changed RPGs forever. Straight up. I mean, we just got the remake. That wouldn't have happened. Yeah, like you—you you wouldn't have people screaming for that fucking remake if Final Fantasy VII wasn't the monster of the game that it was. I mean, um, it was—it it was. Dude, now that I think about it, the other day I was a coworker talking about like successful video game movies, and I didn't even think to mention Advent Children. Yeah, it, it's wild that it's—it's it's like bled into like other media too with with Advent Children. Um. And I think where Final Fantasy VII succeeds, where like a lot of RPGs didn't succeed before, and some like struggle to succeed after, is that uh, there's a lot of charm to the characters. Yeah. Um, some are definitely have a lot more fleshing out than others. Like some characters are basically boring and don't matter, but the ones that do matter, like they're like Cloud for as much as they made him like an edgelord over like the decades that the game has been out um, in Final Fantasy 7 he's honestly kind of like a dope but that kind of makes him like a little bit more like personable I think he's not always like that serious grim dark like 
person and then like the revelation that he's basically this like spawn of like this creature that's living the memories of someone else is pretty fucking insane um it's got some great emotional moments like obviously uh Aerith dying not Aerith is... at the time yeah, Eris at the time. Uh, I still actively say Eris, but I know right. if you don't say Eris, the modern fucking Final Fantasy fans will freak out. But um, that there was, I think, even if you didn't play Final Fantasy VII, I think you knew about the Eris scene. Yeah, it, it became a staple in pop culture at that time, really fast. Yeah, and it's like. Cloud was like a pop a pop culture character, and even more so, I think Sephiroth was. Yo, Kenny Omega. That's <laughs> <laughs> just I'll leave it at that. His finisher is the one winged angel. Uh, speaking of one winged angel, um, I think another area where Final Fantasy VII excels far above and beyond like a bunch of other RPGs is in the music department. Yeah, um, especially with that song "One Winged Angel." Like, there's some great fucking tracks in there. Like, the battle theme is great. Uh, the Genova theme is good because it's like fucking yeah. eerie and creepy. And I talked about it in the side quest I did, but the way they implemented the Genova song into the Genova boss fight in Final Fantasy VII Remake is fucking sick. Um, but I think the standout track, like when you think of Final Fantasy VII, you think of music related to that, it's One Winged Angel all the way. Yeah, it is. And Kenny Omega. Yes, wrestling. Um, but yeah, like One Winged Angel is just such a fucking huge song. It's like, it's like I don't listen to a lot of like classical music or anything like that or like operatic stuff because I honestly don't have the stomach for it most of the time. I can listen to One Winged Angel straight up all day and I would not get tired of it. It's a fucking insane song. Um, but yeah, that's me gushing more on Final Fantasy. If you want to hear me talk more about it, I guess listen to, listen to that fucking side quest I did the other day, uh, other week. Um, another one that I wanted to talk about, uh, skipping around a little bit on my list here, is Res the first Resident Evil game. Mm -hmm. In the way that, like, I think I, I was struggling between putting this or Silent Hill on the list. But I think when people think of, like, the birth of survival horror, I think it leans more towards Resident Evil than it does Silent Hill. I don't think Hill. so. Um, Silent Hill is definitely a huge contribution, but I would think it gets a little bit more credit for it. Yeah, like, every time I think of, like, oh, survival horror games, like, Resident Evil is the first thing that pops into my head. And I think Resident Evil has, like, a pedigree of, like, better games than Silent Hill also, even through the years. Like, uh, I think after Silent Hill 2... Uh, the Silent Hill series kind of loses itself and just got like really fucking weird. And there was the issue with like the re like the remasters being super shitty. And like even though well, like Resident Evil games haven't been good, like like obviously you have like games like Resident Evil Six, which is basically a tire fire of a game for the most part. Uh, I think they've been at least consistently okay. And like Resident Evil Four was a fucking monster. And I think we owe every single spooky game and like the just the zombie like i know we have like the living the night like george romero's night of the living dead movies and all that but for gaming i think we owe the oversaturation of zombies and gaming to resident evil for sure yeah definitely i, I would say like you, you i think you hit around the money as the start of the horror survival genre for me my first experience wasn't resident evil i was still in, like i said on the 64 at that time but do you ever play nightmare creatures I don't even know what that is. That was my kind of initial, uh, I guess, horror survival. And even then, like, that couldn't have existed without Resident Evil on another platform. 
yeah and there's just like such iconic things about resident evil like when you think about it like you have the tyrant you have nemesis even those are later games but like when you think of the first resident evil you have the scene where like the door opens and the zombie turns around like the first zombie you see right and and even though like yeah if you look at it now that game looks like absolute shit nowadays but back then you were like holy like i remember seeing that like i was playing that game at like fucking like midnight or something when i was younger just seeing that and i was like I, I had to turn the game off because I couldn't fucking yeah, I remember being it. freaked out opening a door and like seeing that same graphic but not knowing what's on the other side of it every time oh yeah like seeing the door open and being like cool and then sometimes there was just a fucking zombie on the other end and you'd be like oh shit yeah and you can't play it out the same way you play at any other games at the time so you were bad at it at first until you finally figured it oh, out of course plus the controls in that game were fucking the awful the yeah. fucking tank the fucking tank controls lent to that horror because it was so hard for you to do anything so you actually felt like like oh fuck like everything mattered in that game and yeah i resident evil while it probably is like it's been like remade to shit and released like on every console you can imagine but uh will always will always hold a plate a special place in my heart i think yeah it was probably one of the first resource management horror games it might have been yep. the first, as far as I can recall. Yeah, probably. I mean, no. ammo was super limited. You couldn't... I, it was like saving had been a thing in games, but you could only save as long as you had a currency to spend on saving with the ink right. ribbons. Yeah, it's a... It's a basically a revolutionary game, I think, for an entire genre. I think so. And the fact that they're still making Resident Evil games today, that's like, look at Resident Evil 8. That shit looks fucking terrifying. And there's not yeah. even really any zombies in that. Yeah, we're almost whew, almost 30 years later. I think we're, what, like 20, 23, 24 years later in this franchise? It's been a long fucking time. Oh, man. Uh, the final game I'm going to talk about for the PS1 stuff, Keith, I don't know how much knowledge you have of this, but I'm pretty sure influence-wise, especially considering how much you like Metroid, uh, you'll be unable to deny it, and that's uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Oh, for sure. Yeah. This was really the one that kind of bled the new genre into birth. Yeah. This this game is the reason Metroidvania exists as a term that people use. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, 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 without a doubt. I think uh, Symphony of the Night was basically Sony's answer to Super Metroid. And I'd say that's safe, yeah. And uh, this might be controversial considering I'm speaking I'm in a room with the... Uh, in a discord with uh, the metroid man here but i think oh, it takes the metroid formula and does it better it, it made it its own that, that that's what it did it led to i mean it took it out of this whole like sci-fi environment and made it creepy yeah and it's crazy how it's like def there was definitely like some creepy moments how it's cool to see how far you could get away with like violent imagery and still have like a teen rated game yeah <laughs> no kidding things were so much different back then yeah i just remember playing this game and i was like damn they got away with a teen for this shit like there's split up like flesh peeling off of things here like okay yeah and i haven't gone back and played this game i have very limited experience with it but i do believe i want to say in that one you go lower and lower kind of similar to a metroid game if i'm not mistaken actually no it'd be the opposite you go higher and higher okay. in a in dracula's castle but the twist is the end of the game is quote unquote the quote unquote end of the game is just the halfway point of the game right yeah um, okay and that's when the castle flips upside down 
and then yeah. you basically do it again and that was huge back yeah. then that might be where I recall kind of going lower and lower from yeah uh, you basically just do the castle upside down um I don't really have much more to say about it. Like, I think Symphony of the Night is a game that could probably warrant a side quest on its own. Uh, yeah, it can. It's it's really, really fucking good. And I think that's like, that's a gem of the PS1 for sure. And I'm glad it's been able to be like re-released on a bunch of different things. Yeah, uh, surprisingly, you would think they, they wouldn't indulge in that because Castlevania, it's kind of become its own thing outside of just Metroidvanias obviously being like a netflix series and things like that but they've managed to still hold on to the root of this game which is really cool yeah that's basically all i have for ps1 i know you don't really have much to talk about in terms of that keith as you did like have one. no i never had a ps1 so i guess we can go ahead and move on to let's just do we'll keep it chronological we'll go ps2 since we just finished talking about yeah PS1. This, this this generation is probably gonna be one of our biggest ones because that's kind of when we finally got into like the formative years of gaming on as far as us being old enough to really get a grasp of what we're doing on a lot of things yeah this was uh this is definitely the most competent part of my gaming quote-unquote career if you want to call it that yeah it's a career um I definitely spent more time on my PS2 than I think I did most other, like any, like anything else in my life. I think I was playing PS2 more often than not. Yeah, and I, I was the opposite of that, actually. I spent probably most time on the GameCube and then Xbox and then PS2 because I really got a PS2 kind of towards the end of its lifetime uh, just to play Guitar Hero. <laughs> well, speaking of, you, you might, as, as you already talking about a game you're playing, you want to kick off PS2? Yeah, PS2. I played a lot of Guitar Hero and Guitar Hero 2 on that one. Shout out to Dragonstorm. Shout out to Ellie playing Dragonstorm. You Dragon Force. Um, really, there was put some respect on their name, Keith. <laughs> um, I did really enjoy. I think it was uh, I don't know. If it was I think it was was it Ratchet and Clank or Jack and Daxter? There was like a racing game for one of the two. I want to say it might have been Jack and Daxter. Um, I really enjoyed that one a lot. <laughs> I don't. I think it came with the PlayStation that I bought. Um, and I just had it, but when I think game changer for PS2, I think GTA 3. Yep. Um, it obviously the first two GTA games were kind of top down RTS perspective, but as far as what yeah, you can they do, were they were weird, yeah, they were. But as far as GTA 3 ushered in this style that we're still seeing in Grand Theft Auto games, and I'd say go so far as to say rare games in general for the most part. Um, But it really pushed the envelope of what you can do in a rated M game. Oh yeah, it, I it felt it felt very real. But yeah, I like how I like how they still had room for it, the game. Like GTA Three, it does this less so. I think more than like like later entries in GTA. But there's definitely a little bit of like goofiness to it too, which made it like yeah, as far as which the made, which made it, yeah, it made it a little bit more like palatable. Especially since your character in GTA 3 is the only game where, like, your character didn't talk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, Vice City was a great follow-up. It's kind of... I see Vice City in the same aspect as I see Majora's Mask. Like, how do you top it? You don't. You you go a different route. Yeah, true. Uh, I think I think where I like where I would prefer Vice City over... 
uh, GTA 3 is just the aesthetic. Yeah, same here. Um, but that's the thing where I'd say that GTA really was the game changer for oh, Grand Theft Auto as a franchise. And, and rated games because uh, you wouldn't have and say oh what was the like things like that um the, it's like those open world like yeah true the true crime la like this like the sandbox style games like you had like fucking true crime you had driver kind of driver but i think like in terms of like straight up like gta rips like i think saints road definitely like you said probably the big one Yeah, but I, I I think it's pretty undeniable to see like GTA's like influence. It was that's a huge fucking game. Yeah, without a doubt. So that, that was my limited PS2 experience. I I had cousins that played PS2, and I didn't get mine until way later. But whenever I did play with them, it was mostly Grand Theft Auto Three. Um, for my PS2 experience, I'm also going to start. Out, I'm going to lead off with a Grand Theft Auto game also. Um, I didn't pick three. I didn't even pick Vice City. I went all the way to San Andreas. Oh, um, yeah. That's my favorite one. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, well, yes, like GTA 3 laid the groundwork for like those open world games. San Andreas took the ball and just fucking ran with it as far as they fucking could. And that is like the character specs and customizations and things like that. Yeah. San Andreas is my favorite one. Uh, it just it, it ran GTA 3 walks senators could run basically it's such a good a good fucking game like everything like the characters are so fucking good I love CJ like Big you gotta smoke. think about the, yeah you you gotta think about it is like San Andreas is the one that's the meme game you got the ah shit here we go again <laughs> like it's I, I rate the quality of things based on how memeable they are which is why Spongebob is the best cartoon of all time um, but yeah, like it plays really well. I, I wish they would do things like they did back in San, in San Andreas. Obviously, like games are so big now, it's hard to add all that shit in. But I like just being able to walk into like a fucking fast food place and buy like a burger, and then you watch your character yeah. get fat. Yeah, just fluff up and then go into a turf war with it. <laughs> There's just so much cool shit. Like I, I even like the dumb bullshit. Like when you got to like tag walls and things like that. Like just. Just yeah, things like that were fun. so good. Yeah, I, I think, I think uh, Grand Theft Auto Three laid down the foundation, and then San Andreas built the rest of the fucking building. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, another game that I played heavily on PS2 that I think did a lot for like action games is God of War. Yeah, that inspired a lot of copycats. Yeah, there's a lot of like definitely a lot of like big button smashy games um i don't have like a calendar in front of me I, like dates in front of me so i don't know which came first but it might have had influence on like devil may cry and things like that also since they're like heavy Dante's on the combo inferno. spam oh especially dante's inferno that game is basically just a, that was a one-to-one <laughs> yeah it joking aside dante's inferno is legit just a one-to-one of god of war just like with different story like yeah and different characters that game played the exact fucking same yeah exactly which meant though if you were good at god of war you were good at uh dante's inferno like i was if you can press square in a game and occasionally triangle occasionally yeah 
But yeah, uh, I don't really have much to say about God of War. I think like while the first one's good, they definitely built on it more. I don't talk about it in the later. I don't have it written down for like the later entries, but uh, they definitely like upped the scale for things like God of War three where like the bosses were just like fucking huge events in and of itself and i do like how they scaled it back a bit for the new god of war but we'll talk about that one when we get to it because that one's definitely yeah that, that's what we're talking about um and my last one for ps2 uh speaking of large bosses is shadow of the colossus large bosses the game yeah uh, i like how they basically just made uh, a boss rush mode and expanded it into a full game but I, I just love that they were... It's crazy that a game of this, like, literal size made it onto the PS2. Like, I don't know how that system managed to, to work a game like this. You know what I mean? Like, everything that was going on with, like, yeah, it, it kind of didn't look great. But, like, moving hair on the Colossi. Like, just being able to climb these huge, towering creatures. Like... It, it, that's a game that made you feel epic and then like the story of that game even though it was like a little bit incoherent for the most part you feel bad by the end because you realize that oh you're killing these like actually like good benevolent creatures that were holding in this weird for demon thing that reason, possesses pretty you. much isn't it yeah for saving your girlfriend yeah but yeah shadow of the colossus uh great game the remake is fucking awesome that because it looks beautiful and i think even when it came out like on ps2 Shadow of the Colossus was a beautiful game. Yeah, it, it was. It, looking back at it, you won't see it, but it was probably one of the best looking games of that time. And I, one thing I've kind of caught myself doing when talking about these games is seeing its effect that's left in, in games. And like we said, Ghost of Tsushima is basically out now while we're recording. And I, I'm sure you've seen how they kind of have that wind effect kind of directly where to go. Yes. Um, for that limited like HUD. Shadow of Colossus, I think, was one of the starts of that by using kind of like your sword to kind of direct you in a direction without having to have like waypoints and things like that. Um, yeah, it's got it's got lingering effects that are still being used to this day. And I honestly think Shadow of the Colossus changed like boss fights, like <laughs> for the most part. Yeah, I think so like, too. I, I think when that game came out, it made more people be like, "Oh, we need fucking crazy." Like, I, I think it might not be like a good change for the most part because I don't think a lot of games do it well in terms of like the size of bosses but i think a lot of developers saw that we're like we need big fucking boss fights i mean as far as i remember like it it had a very limited hud did it have health bars for the bosses i don't think they did did it uh yes they did but they only appeared when you uh attacked when you actually like did damage to the boss when you hit like the weak spots and things like that Yes, uh, like a health bar would appear when you did it. Like they kept the HUD very, very minimal, only like to show relevant information at the time. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's it's still got effects that are rippling into the gaming world to this day. God, I fucking love Shadow of the Colossus. Good game. Uh, so this is the part where, similar to like how Keith didn't have much knowledge on the PS One. Um, I was definitely more on the Sony side of things for a long time, so most of like Xbox and Xbox 360 passed me by. Um, so this is where I will defer to Keith for these things, but I do have some games that he's listed that we definitely agree on, I'm sure. But the couple that I have listed, he will probably agree with me on those. Yeah, the two that you've got listed, uh, Halo and KOTOR, we've kind of gone on about KOTOR already, so we probably don't have to gloss on that too much, but oh sure. man, yeah, that's a game that still holds up. Um, absolutely 
Um, but the first Halo was a game changer for first person shooting. Um, in the same vein that GoldenEye was. It fastened the pace up, it made it way more of an epic tale. Um, as far as the single player campaign and starting land parties out and doing things like that. Um, but one of the little things on there that I guess might be a well-known fact, it might be a little known, is that it had the demo for on there for Fusion Frenzy. And good God, I spent so much time playing that demo that when I finally got the game, I was so stoked to have it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I love Fusion Frenzy. It was such a, just a fun party game. Um, it, it was cool because it was at a time when I was kind of growing out of like Mario parties and things like that. And it kind of filled that void pretty neat. Um, but the main one that I think is probably worth spending a little bit more time on, we kind of already said it, is Fable. Oh, yes. The first Fable was, to me, a game changer, along with KOTOR. They were very much some of the earlier games that I can remember that had your, your decisions affecting the gameplay and the way things interact with out around you. Yeah, they, they, they played with, like, the morality and, like, well, in terms of, like, like then to now like the morality system's obviously just like basically superficial for the most part like yeah you grow like scary horns and shit and that's about it but the fact that it was just like in there at all was like it made you think about like how you played it yeah and then there was a couple like where you go into a town and then you see them like kind of cower at you and then you see the police force kind of um be more on notice when you're around so of course i killed them um <laughs> as you do yeah as you do um and then kind of going through the story, learning, okay, like it started out with you and your sister, and then you kind of basically based your whole gameplay off like, what would she do? Or it's not, nah, fuck that, this is what I'm doing. Um, I remember staying up till 4 a.m. My brother owned the Xbox, and he was working at a bar at that time. So that was my time to play the Xbox. So I'd stay up way into the night just to play Fable. Just to kind of see what i can do and it was cool because you you had your kind of like academy thing where you're learning and all of a sudden it's like oh like this shit's going down uh what are you going to do next you're going to get revenge or are you going to join and take over um to me that would i played it before kotor so that was my first like glimpse at the morality thing um so that it was it was a bigger game changer for that than kotor was for me but kotor obviously hit home before star wars in a different way um did you ever play Freedom Fighters? Um, I remember seeing that game, but I never actually played it. Right now, this one it wasn't an exclusive, but Xbox was more I played it on, and it was such a cool concept where um, it's like the alternative history. I don't think it can get made to this day uh, anymore. Um, it's basically like it's an alternate history where. I guess, like the Soviet Union comes back in and invades New York and that you are basically like the start of the ragtag rebellion against them. Okay. Um, and very much like you see yourself kind of going through missions, gathering resources and building up your sewer base over time um, and seeing it go through all of the, the seasons and seeing um seeing how all these people kind of react to you and you kind of become this hidden thing and 
obviously you kind of want to stay hidden, but you want to gain traction, so you're kind of riding that fine line. Um, I loved that game. Um, I remember there was like there was a code for it after I beat the game where you had a staple gun. Um, basically mod to your gun where you shoot someone and they just fire back and launch and hit <laughs> in towards the wall. Um, that was one of those games where I beat countless times. Um, I always associate with Xbox because that's what we had uh, more so. Um, I wish I don't think they ever did any plans for a sequel on or anything. I think they kind of the studio went out totally different directions, launched a new franchise. I think afterwards, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I remember there was Homefront on Xbox later on that I was kind of like getting because it was basically I just wanted more Freedom Fighters and that was probably the closest thing to it. Um, I don't think you can see that game get made to this day because obviously it relies heavily into communism wins. Yeah, that would that would make a very uh, very different subset of people very upset. Right, right, right. And um, and HBO kind of tried doing something with that that Confederate show, which is obviously not good to do and i think this is probably in the same vein um but at that same time though it kind of it really kind of gave me at a younger age that upbringing of like seeing what happens when you don't really stand up for something so yeah it, it definitely it definitely shaped me up a little bit to kind of that counter culture i guess aspect of it in a weird way yeah i can see that um yeah, that, that was that was a game that highlighted that generation of gaming for me. Yeah, I, I can see why you would why you would like feel that way about it. It seems like a cool game. It seemed like a cool game when I had seen it at first. It's just uh, again, I was I was never the Xbox guy really, except for like the bigger games. So it, it definitely just slipped, slipped right. past me. Right, and it wasn't an exclusive, but that's just where I associated it with, um, and most of my time was spent on GameCube more than Xbox so that was one of the few that kind of like I said the Xbox are my brothers so that was one of the ones that I I want to say I had it on both consoles because eventually I was like oh it's on GameCube oh I'm getting it again you're like sick fuck yeah yeah um but GameCube is where I spent most of my time um and I guess we can kind of roll right into that like I said I skipped Ocarina of Time earlier um I definitely played on N64 don't get me wrong but where I really spent a lot of time on it was, I don't know if this is ever, but I remember if, if you specifically pre-order with Circuit City, remember Circuit City? Um, if you pre-order Wind Waker, then they gave you the promo, the promo disc, right? Yeah, that had Majora's Mask, that had Ocarina of Time, that had actually the first two Zeldas, um, and the demo for Wind Waker. But what I liked about it is that it was the first time Master Quest was released in the US, which is the original Japanese version, which is basically like, hey, we've done this this is our version we dumped it down for the american release but if you really want the challenge here's ours and it was a whole new game essentially the new puzzles new rooms new dungeons that weren't even straight up just not there in the first game um that was my main ocarina time experience because that's when i really dug into that game yeah that's a that whole like bundle was just very good too that you just got like so like many fucking, games. fucking free <laughs> definitely uh stole that game from somewhere i think at some point i stole that disc from somewhere i think like a cousin of mine had it and i just like yoinked it from his place good i didn't like it when the guy yoinked pokemon stadium for me but good for you doing that one 
Yeah, that that one at least that one didn't cost him anything. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All I had to do was pre-order the other game that was coming out, which is also, I would say, that was a game changer for Zelda: Wind Waker. Yeah, uh, definitely. I don't know if it like necessarily changed the game as much, but let people know that uh, Zelda doesn't have to be this like crazy grim dark thing. It could be like vibrant. And I, I I think the strongest thing about Wind Waker, besides the way it plays, is is its like whole aesthetic. Right, yeah, it, because I remember when it first came out, a lot of people were saying like, "I don't know what what is this cartoon Zelda." Like, oh, this this is baby shit. Yeah, and it was one of my first times like saying like, "Oh, cel shading, that was cool," and I mean, its aesthetic is still copied to this day. I mean, Breath of the Wild is only a few steps away from you know. Yeah, it it's definitely like, and you can have uh, what is it the uh, God damn it, the one that's on Switch. Uh, Link's Awakening remake that has like basically that like cartoony like almost like children's play toy like style Yeah. but see people were kicking off about that too the same way they were kicking off about the Wind Waker style but I I, I love that they did that the one with that change and it's probably it's definitely I think one of my it's definitely my top three in terms of like Zelda games I think for like Wind Waker it's one of mine for sure um seeing going back to Hyrule and seeing it in a new light um, I remember being so mind blown over it all and being so invested in the ending of that game and Tingle yeah fucking Tingle um, I will just however just say this so it's on record uh, straight up fuck the Triforce quest oh we're going all over um, to the yep. towers no, not even against the towers. Like when you have to find the individual Triforce pieces oh, the shards, in the fucking ocean. They? Yep, yep. Yeah, man, it's been a while since I played that. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they had to streamline that shit for the remake. They actually like, just give you like a fucking map. <laughs> Did they really? Yeah. Instead of like Cause... searching for hints. And, like, yeah, because everybody of maps. Yeah, because everybody fucking hated it. Yeah, that's true. But no. Um... Windmaker was definitely a big one. Um, Tells of Symphonia. That was probably one of my first actual like deep dives on RPG. Yeah, that's a good one too. Uh, I uh, yeah, it, I have Tales it, of Symphonia on my PC because it's on Steam. I just haven't installed it. It's a good one. It's a good one. Hey y'all, sorry to interrupt uh, mid podcast. This is your host Mike. Uh, so we had a little bit of a technical problems right here with the episode, um, having some weather in the area. So uh, Keats Internet decided to uh, shit out on itself. So um, we decided in the interim to just finish up what we were talking about and that we were going to split this up into a part two. You're going to hear us discuss that right now, but just want to give you a little bit of heads up. So you're wondering why everything just got really weird all of a sudden. Uh, but yeah, hope you guys enjoy the rest of the episode. Thanks for listening. Yeah, so so just a little heads up for everybody. Um, we're having some weather uh, in El Paso right now, so I think we're, we think it's affecting Keith's internet. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna make this um, a a two parter because uh, as it is, we've already been going like over our normal like allotted podcast time uh so we're gonna finish talking about gamecube and then we're gonna pick up with like 
the more modern consoles next time. Uh, so anyway, as we were saying, we were in the middle of discussing GameCube. Uh, Keith, I don't know if you want to go ahead and just talk about your next game. Yeah, we'll kind of wrap this up pretty nicely with some, I would say, heavy hitters for the GameCube. Uh, luckily, for the next more modern consoles, there's a lot to talk about um, and a lot of shitting on also to do a little bit. Um, but these ones that are kind of wrapping up on GameCube, I think are heavy hitters. Um, I didn't own a Dreamcast, so I didn't play the original Sonic Adventure or Sonic Adventure 2. Uh, so really, I just jumped straight into Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. And holy shit, that was a roller coaster for me that I played a lot of. Yeah, I also, I fucked very heavily with Adventure 2 Battle, and that's another one of those games where, like, I, the soundtrack just straight up has stuck with me my entire Run life since then. the speed of sound. Dude, City Escape is such a good song, and then the one... Uh, such I, a cool way to start the, like that story out, too. The one that sticks out to me also is the one where you're fighting, like, the big monster thing when you get, like, the secret ending or whatever as, like, Supersonic. Yeah, when you unlock the third, like, the, the epilogue part. yeah. Like that shit was just like so cool. I was like, damn. Yeah. And I remember playing it multiple times because I always did the hero storyline first. And then you get like, when you beat it, you get like the trailer to uh, to the villain story. So then you play that and then it leads you to the epilogue. Now, then I remember on one playthrough saying, well, when does the trailer for the hero one start? All right, I guess I'm doing the villain one first. And it was really cool just seeing those like those. Uh, here we go last of us 2 seeing the same parts from different perspective it's a one-to-one -one recreation of sonic adventure 2 battle oh you beat me to it yeah i'm getting better at this podcasting thing um but i remember at the end being so invested and like loving the shit out of shadow and then it was like he's fucking dead he fucking sacrificed himself he did the good thing um and then they gave him a gun in later games. And then they gave him a gun and stripped him of everything that's cool before saying, here's what looks cool. Um, yeah, we won't go there. But yeah, Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, fun multiplayer. Um, good game. Um, this one might be the one I spent the most time on, surprisingly, but the original Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. Okay. I, I loved that one. Um, it was probably i mean part of it might have been like the whole parkour aspect of it but i really love the storyline of having to do with the sands of time and and going back to a specific moment and it was kind of like that if i recall correctly it was kind of like that emperor's new groove kind of like yep this is what happened this is the story i'm telling and then whenever you die saying no 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 that didn't happen let's go back and using the sands of time to revert back to like whatever point it was um I didn't really jump on board with the later Prince of Persia entries that came on the next gen. I played it a little bit, but it just didn't have the same gravity um, as far as for this Prince. Um, I kind of wish we'd get a Prince of Persia entry instead of Assassin's Creed. It'll never happen. No, they literally canceled Prince of Persia in favor of Assassin's Creed. <laughs> but yeah, I, mean, I spent got that Prince of Persia a lot of time movie, in that. Keith. Oh, yeah. I love that Disney movie. Jake Gyllenhaal. Not The Rock. Damn, The Rock as the prince would have been pretty sick. Oh, uh, yeah. What if he's a scorpion king? He could also be a prince of Persia. Um, True. Yeah, I loved it. I played it through multiple times. I remember even coming so far to figure out how to get the original like side-scrolling prince of Persia on my own. Um, there was a way to do that. Um, yeah, I loved it. It was a good game. Warrior Within was cool too. They kind of kept going. 
Yeah, I think that's gonna that's probably like a quote unquote classic at this point. Even though, again, like that's that's one of those games that straight up just passed me by. Yeah, it, it's definitely it's dated. Like I said, um, there's way more free running games and parkour things. I've definitely taken the ball and run with it. But that was my first experience with it, and I loved the shit out of it. Um, so for me, we already talked about Wind Waker, and that was one right. of my big games, but. Um, one whose influence I think cannot be understated enough considering how many games just rip this shit off constantly is the original Animal Crossing. Oh, without a doubt. So I don't know if I mentioned this story here on the podcast before. I might have. Uh, but there was a point in seventh grade where we were... My parent, when I was, when my parents were renovating our house at the time so we were staying at my grandma's house but i couldn't bring like all my gaming shit and my dad was would be pretty hands-on about making sure the the construction at the house was going well they were adding a second story like like gutting the attic and just making a second story out of it and every time he would go over there i would go with him because the power was still on and i would go into my room my old room and fire up the GameCube and play Animal Crossing the entire time he was there. Like, and it would happen all the time. Yeah, just see what's new, what new is going on with your town. Yeah. Um, I loved Animal Crossing. Obviously, like, New Leaf on the 3DS was great. New Horizons on Switch is, uh, by all intents and purposes, a phenomenal game. But... Uh, I think Animal Crossing made it really okay for you to make a game where you don't really do anything. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I mean, like I said, its influence keeps going, coming on. Um, you see it bleed into like the Harvest Moons and things like that. Even though they were kind of very much a little bit different, it you can't see, you can't deny how it bleeds into one another. Um, Stardew Valley, for instance, um, games that you focus on doing just chill things i mean you have games like on pc and stuff like the sims but i think animal crossing was what made it like okay for like consoles to have those kind of games yeah i think so um and they're kind of like it's same thing with Windmaker games to play with a childish aesthetic yes uh there's like i i love the sims and stuff like that but the sims could never reach the level of charm that animal crossing has or had and right. um, those villagers were mean as fuck to you back in the day. <laughs> yeah, they were. I, I would say probably the only Sims that kind of got close was um, might have been Herbs, but even then, it still didn't quite hold the candle that Animal Crossing does. Yeah, no, Animal Crossing is the reigning champion of fucking cutesy life sim games of charm. Uh, the last game that we're going to talk about on this episode is one that's very, very near and dear to my heart, and I am waiting as patiently as I can for August 27th until the remake comes out, or remaster comes out, and that is Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. Uh, this was the ultimate party game for me and a bunch of my friends at the time. We would all meet up, gather around, bring our Game Boys sit in front of the tv and play some crystal chronicles it was it was a lot of fun um I, and i think it's really cool that they managed to turn like an rpg into like this big uh this big co-op thing experience really 
yeah and while it was totally fine for you to play it by yourself uh you were really missing out if you didn't have people to play it with yeah and so, and so i'm hoping when the the new version of it comes out that it's still like i i want it to hold up <laughs> i hope it does it's been admittedly a long time since i played crystal chronicles but um I'm excited to play that game again because it, it took up a lot of my fucking time when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. I had a very minimal experience with it, mostly because I had nobody else that really wanted to play it. Um, and I remember wanting Crystal Chronicles because I did not have a PS2 to play Final Fantasy X on. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so that was kind of I was like, all right, let me see what's up with this franchise. And I was like, this is way different than I thought it would look and really liking it but i did not have any friends that really wanted to play it or anything like that so i kind of didn't really dig into it too much yeah the one negative i think of crystal chronicles is that the optimal way to play that is with a full group of three other people besides yourself right and i said i could say the same exact thing with four swords too i wanted to play it more but i just did not because i did not have friends that had that game yeah and what made crystal chronicles worse is that like you had to make the investment well you didn't have to but it enhanced your experience greatly if you had the game boy and the link cables that connected your game boy advance to your uh to your gamecube also can be said for four swords <laughs> yeah so that was kind of like their gimmick yeah it was it's a really cool concept um hopefully i, I got more, i'm wondering how that translates to the switch version but uh, I am excited to play that, and since hopefully you can play online with people, it's probably a lot easier, hopefully, to find people to play with. Should be. Um, should be. One thing I will say is that at least your GameCube remake is official, where my Metroid Prime trilogy probably is never going to happen at this point. I mean... I mean, it has to, but it also never will. But it also has to. Yeah, I mean, we still haven't seen more of Metroid Prime 4 than a JPEG before they were like, hey, we're starting over, so. Yeah, I mean, at least Metro Studios has that going for them, where they're the ones working on it. But, I mean, I kind of, I didn't include Metroid Prime in this list. Um, probably because I think the second one was better. But, either way, yours is happening. Mine, well happen eventually never but still eventually one day keith oh boy can dream well i think uh before your computer and your internet collapse on itself that's probably a good time to end it um next episode we're gonna we're gonna kick back up and we'll, we'll knock out ps3 360 we and wii u and then eventually the current gen uh ps4 xbox and a little bit of switch the, the switch is weird because it like it fell in between a little bit yeah it fell in between so i feel like the switch is like the midway point of the generation it's still obviously gonna be going for a while but yeah we'll get into it um, well hopefully having a little bit more ghost of tsushima talk because we do still want to stay current um as best yeah. as we can so we'll see what we can do yeah thank you guys for listening this has been episode 21 of the minigames podcast uh, it'll take, uh, I don't know, is the next one going to be 21.5 or do we just say 22? I said just go 22. Yeah, make fuck it, it. Make it part two. Sure. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys uh, for listening. Hope you guys are staying safe out there in your respective quarantines because I know, especially here, I know we have people that listen outside of Texas. It's, uh, it's a little bleak over here. It's not moment. great. But yeah hopefully you guys are staying safe 
stay indoors if you got to go out for anything wear your goddamn masks uh, yeah keep an eye out for next week when we finish up this retrospective of console generations keith where are you on the internet before we go you can find me twitter instagram at woo underscore keith woo as you all know right now say it with me is w-h-o-o say this part even louder with me fuck you chris i love it uh you can find me on twitter at uh, bad x health almost mixed up my handles for a second uh, on instagram you broke like glass you know how it's spelled at this point uh you can find the podcast on socials both twitter and instagram at minigamescast uh yeah this has been episode 21 we'll see you on the next one bye bye make your choices no don't make good choices make bad choices damn it